This is an exciting day to be in the house of God. You know, it's pretty funny. I keep thinking I'm, my morning is kind of mixed up because usually I'm like, good morning. Welcome to Legacy Church. But he already did. Good morning. Welcome to Legacy Church. He switched it up on me this morning. But anyway, I get a minister to you this morning. I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, it is Jeremy Nye's greatest honor to stand before you. And you know, it's, it's the greatest honor of, of our lives to give people the word of God, to give words from heaven. And I'm going to cry this morning a little bit. I think it's because <laughs> it's, it's my first time to be in this sanctuary teaching. You know, this... <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> he knew I'd need that. But um, this place has been a dream in our heart for a long time. And to have a family that we could do life with and that we could um, come to the sanctuary and experience the power of God together, there's really nothing like that. And there's nothing in life that compares to that. The corporate anointing and, and being together in that spirit of faith is just really unlike anything else. And I'm just so honored and thankful to get to serve you a good meal this morning. <laughs> so I appreciate your faith and your help in getting this this morning. You know, I think that one of the most powerful things about being together with that, what we just mentioned, that spirit of faith, is the ability to be hungry for God and to hunger after him and desire him and to want to see him and to want to experience him and to want not just to hear something that's going to help me or check church off my list for the week or any of that, but to come into a place and experience God. Know that you have left that day having been with Jesus. And there's nothing like that. There's nothing like your life being changed in a moment by revelation. And so we're going to ask the Lord this morning for revelation. And, and we believe I believe that he's going to help us. So, Father, we love you this morning. We come boldly before your throne of grace where we know there's help. And we just take it from you this morning. We receive your help. We receive your wisdom. We receive your guidance. We receive, Lord, revelation from heaven, words from heaven. Lord, that we would speak mysteries, that they would be, uh, they would be the, not just words of man, but words from you, that they would be exactly what we need. Father, I pray that every question that's been asked um, by anyone in this place would be answered this morning. Lord, that there would be light, that there would come direction, that there would come um, that, that, that part that we need for the next phase of our life and our ministry. And we receive it from you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. And I want to read to you a special scripture that I grew up hearing in church maybe every single week as a child. And so as a little girl, and Jordan would know on the front row over here, this is my brother Jordan that leads music. 
We heard this scripture week after week after week, and I believe that it got so deep in us that it has had an effect on our life. You know, the word of God has so much power built into it that you don't even realize after years of hearing that word, what it is able to accomplish in your life. The most important thing is that you just stay with it, keep hearing it, and you don't quit and give up on it. Because sooner or later, that word will not return void, but it'll accomplish things in your life that you need it to accomplish. So I wanna read this to you out of Joshua chapter one, verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I think this is, there's so many beautiful pieces to this scripture, but I wanna pull out a few words that really stand out to me. You shall meditate in it day and night. Do you know what that word meditate means? It means to mutter or to muse or to imagine. To mutter it with your words, to muse, that means to just let it inspire you, let it take over you and let it um, cause you to imagine God. And then it says that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Observe to do it. And then it says the result of those things will be you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now this word prosperity here actually just means success. And this word success actually means prosperity. <laughs> so he's saying it, he's just hitting us with a double whammy right there. You're gonna prosper and you're gonna have good success if you love the word of God. And I love how it says, there's one part I think that we tend to leave out. A lot of Christians, most Christians know more than they actually do. We know a lot about the word. We may even sit on our couch and meditate the word. We may even sit down and mutter the word and imagine and dream and, and have all these things going on. Speak, confess the word, spend time in the word. But what about the part that says, observe to do all that we find in the word? And I believe that this may be a missing element in a lot of people's success. And for years and years and years, I've found out from walking with God that if I don't do what I'm inspired by in the word or what I find in the word or what I meditate in the word or what I confess in the word, if I don't get up and I actually step out in faith and do something, I don't have good success. But the moment I get up and I obey God and I step out by faith and I go after him and I observe to do all that's in this book, I start to see prosperity and good success in my life. And everybody say this with me. 
Prosperity is a Bible word. <gasps> Everybody okay in here? Everybody okay? Okay. We're good. Everybody's going to be good. Everybody's going to be okay. Prosperity is a Bible word. Basically, this word has so many beautiful meanings to it. Yes, it does have to do with prospering out here on the outside with money and things and all that, but it doesn't start there. It starts on the inside. It starts in the heart. It starts in the soul. And it may be years and years of that soul developing and that character developing and those things becoming fruitful on the inside before they ever bear fruit on the outside. But that's okay. You just have to give it time and let the word of God go to work. And I just, I have it so strong in my heart. You know, there's so many things besides just hearing and confessing the word, powerful, but there's the doing of the word of God. There's finding out what God says in his word. I loved what Jeremy talked about this morning. All these character issues, these are things that will make you and me a good success. Doing the right thing at the right time with the right, I mean, making the right decision, obeying God, stepping out in faith when he tells you to step out, not doing things when he tells you not to do them, being good to people, loving the household of faith. I mean, you could study this book every day of your life and find something new that it tells you to do. Even in the New Testament, we are to be doers of the word of God. Okay, let's look at this too. In James chapter one. Actually, you know what? Let's see. James chapter one. Maybe it's James chapter one. Yeah, James chapter one. Verse 21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of that word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. It's deceptive to just hear and not to do what you know to do. And you know what? You People say, well, I, there's no way I can know everything in the word of God to do. Look how thick this book is. I can't understand. No, the most important thing is that you walk in the light that you have. You walk in what God has shown you and you receive what he has shown you and you be a doer of what he has shown you. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes his way and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed by what he does. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You know, this word success means to prosper, but it also means to produce, to produce. To me, that is just what Jesus talked about in the New Testament in John chapter 15, John chapter 14, where he talks about producing fruit, bearing fruit, this is proof of what's going on on the inside. Whatever shows up on the outside is proof of what's happening on the inside. And so as we look at this, I, I prayed, you know, a few weeks ago, I was helping a friend and 
they're starting out, starting their own ministry and stepping out by faith. And we were talking and I began to pray for them and find out from the Lord what they're, just some, give me things that will help them in these ne- this next season of life. And I heard so clearly one thing come in my spirit. I heard the Lord say, set them up for success. Set them up for success. So I began to ask the Lord, what does that mean? What does it mean to be set up for success? And he gave me three things that will set us up for success in life. And I'm just excited. All that that word can mean, it'll set you up to produce. It'll set you up to bear fruit. And it'll set you up to prosper in every area of your life. So I want to talk to you about those three things. The first one is your seed will set you up for success. Your seed. And I thought about, first of all, um, Galatians. This is chapter five. And turn with me to it because I want to read it to you. This has been probably a theme of Jeremy and I's life for the last 10 years. It says, um, Galatians chapter six, actually, verse um, seven, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. But let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, in the middle of that, what do you do? As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The Lord spoke to me one time and he said, victory belongs to those who give thanks in the space between where they are and where they wanna be. Thankful people are always loving. They're always blessing. They don't have their mind on anything negative. They're not complaining. They're not murmuring. They're trying to bless. They're trying to sow all the time. And you give thanks and you love and you do good to the household of faith in the meantime. But I begin to think about that. What a seed, how a seed will determine your success. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 8, that as long as the earth endures, there's seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Just like the seasons come and go and how God has set up the seasons to happen every year the same way. It's the same way with seed time and harvest. This is the way he does things. There is a seed planted. There's time with that, after that planting. And then sooner or later, there will be a harvest, either good or bad. And I was thinking about this, you know, every, every one of us in here was a seed before we are who we are today. Every single word that we speak every day is a seed. It's a seed of love, it's a seed of faith, or it's a, it can be a, a negative seed. You know, the, the Bible tells us, Jeremy actually used my scripture still in my stuff this morning. Um, he, we, he talked about the things that God hates, but you know, sowing is planting a seed. And it, it says in Proverbs six sixteen, he read this this morning, the one who sows discord among the brethren, he hates that. What is that? That's sowing any, what is discord? It's anything that's not harmony. It's anything that is not, um, it isn't anything that is not unity. And um, as this is a seed of discord. You can also sow strife. 
Um, in Proverbs 16, 28, it says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Friends, friends. That sounded like the girl from Arkansas. That's me. Um, all that to say that there can be, you can sow negative seeds or you can sow positive seeds. You can, you can plant good things or you can plant bad things. And those things will reproduce after themselves over time. You know, seed, if you think about it, it's just the beginning of life. It's the source of life. It has in it it has in itself the ability to reproduce life. You think about all through the, all through the Bible, um, we are called the seed of Abraham, Abraham's seed. Jesus was the seed of David. What is that? That's talking about a family, the life that's inherent, that's come, going to be produced in a family. These are seeds being sown all the time. God had to do things through prophets, had to say things through prophets in the Old Testament so that we could be living in the things that we are living in today. Those were seeds that were sown. Jesus was God's most precious, wonderful seed that was sown into, I mean, spiritual seed that was sown. And guess what? We are the family. We are the harvest on that seed. Glory to God. What power there is in seed. He gave, God gave, or he sowed his most precious seed. You know, the more pure the seed, the more undefiled the harvest. The more pure the place that it comes from, that sweet place, you know, every seed that we sow, you know, we always talk about seed sown in terms of financial things, but I'm telling you, there's so much more to sowing. There's sowing in terms of your time, your ability. There's sowing in terms of your service and your love and your faith. There's sowing in all aspects, like we talked about, negative things, positive things. There's everything in life is a seed. Every moment is a seed. Every, and looking for the opportunities is the most powerful part of walking. One of the, God loves it, but your seed will set you up for success. Everything with God is about the heart. You know, David said this. He said, I will not give something that costs me nothing. You know, when he was building, helping Solomon build the temple financially, he said, I'm not even going to give unless it costs me something. Because he knew the value of a seed and the power. He knew that it had to come from the heart. Every real fruitful seed that will bear harvest come, go, will be a seed sown with no strings attached. No strings, no, no strings attached. You know, I was thinking about this. Jeremy and I, in terms of being set up for success, God will give you opportunity to set you up for all the years down the line that he sees. He knows the future. It said, the Bible says he inhabits eternity. So he gives you opportunities in the here and now to sow so that you can have the harvest he's dreaming about you having in the future. And I think back on all the years, if I look back over, man, the last 12 years, we started out our life together sowing seed. And, um, and, not just talking about our little babies being so, <laughs> those were little seeds that were sown and now they are beautiful. You know, I've got a 10 year old. Those, those were seeds sown. I'm talking about even the Lord setting us up for what we're walking in today. 
You know, this place right here is a harvest on a seed zone. And I look back on the years that he gave us opportunity. And, you know, we had so many opportunities that were placed in front of us. And we were led, had to be led on what those were. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't have any money. I can't do that, Sarah. This message isn't for me. I'm telling you, you always have a seed somewhere in your hand that you can pick up. If you are open to God and you have a tenderness before him, there is always a seed sitting somewhere around you that you can pick up and you can plant. And um, I was thinking about all the years that we've had the opportunity to sow. And God would deal with us about sowing into projects, building projects. He dealt with us to sow into air conditioning projects. Why? One time we sowed $100,000 into an air conditioning project from our ministry. Well, why in the world? That was like 10 years ago. Why in the world would we do something so silly? Well, we believe that that seed being led by God was going to produce for us something that we needed. Every seed produces after its own kind. And I'm telling you, we got into this place and after we got started building this room, do you know how many air conditioning units we have out there? We needed hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay for the air conditioning here. Is God smart or what? 10 years ago, he set us up. Um, okay, so then if you go back and you look, I mean, if there was so many building projects that we got to give and we got to sow into, we had times when he told us, I want you to sow your air. We had two airplanes that were given to us. We sowed both of those airplanes. Why? Because we knew that that seed in that ground is so, at some point after some seed, after some time, there will be a harvest. And God is a faithful God, and this is how he does it. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. And so we just begin to sow. We sowed, and we sowed, and we sowed. And not, not, honestly, that's nothing to make us look good. We were just doing it to obey God because we knew he had a harvest for us coming. Now, may, sometimes it may take a little longer than you're expecting. It may take just a little bit longer, but you just gotta go with God and trust that he knows what you need and how to set you up. I mean, we have had times when, you know, the Lord dealt with us to go to our closet and instead of being bummed out about not having enough clothes, go in there and find something you can pick out and go sew it. Go find somebody to give it to. Go sew, find somebody to love. Go find somewhere to plant it. You know, you may not think it's anything special anymore, but God may and another person might. Now, you don't ever want to give junk. <laughs> you don't want to ever give your trashy things. You want to sow good seed into good ground. But, you know, sooner or later, that seed will reproduce itself. We've sown jewelry. We've sown watches. And you know what? It has come back to us on every wave. <laughs> I'm telling you, we have seen God move. And he has moved and he has moved and he's moved. And he has done amazing things in our life. But he has set us up for success by giving us the opportunity to sow. And you know what the Bible says? The measure that you sow will be the measure that you reap. You sow little, you sow grudgingly, you sow from a small place, guess what? That's the kind of harvest you will reap. But when you sow with a wide open, big, cheerful heart, ready to receive, ready to bless and ready to love, guess what? 
you're gonna get that kind of big harvest and it's gonna come back to you and you're gonna see it. So we've had many opportunities. We have opportunities to sow in people's cars, into their cars, into their vehicles, into their homes, into their houses, into their furniture. I'm telling you, I've never lacked for furniture. Never, never lacked for decoration, nothing. Because God gave me opportunity to sow all along the way. And those seeds are coming up in harvest all the time for us, all the time. We are planting, we are planting. And you know what the Bible talks about? It's awesome. It gets to the point where you get so caught up in sowing and planting that pretty soon the harvest will overtake the sower and you'll be sowing and you'll be reaping all at the same time. Sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. And I'm telling you, I've seen it and God is faithful to watch over his word. He says in the scripture in Galatians, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And you can be sure that every single seed you have sown, if it has been a seed of love, if from a pure heart, a seed of service, a financial seed, any of those things, you need to believe God that that harvest comes right up for you because God is not mocked. It will come and it'll come right on time. Amen. So your seed will set you up for success. We wanna be people that sow really pure seeds that are planted and they have the ability to grow and they have the ability to harvest. It's not doing something to try to please another person, not doing something to try to impress somebody else, not doing something to buy God's blessing. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about sowing in love and in faith and from a pure heart, even unto just obedience to God and watching as he brings back a big harvest in our life. You know, just as important as it is that your seed will set you up for success, it's also just as important that you're the kind of person that can be good ground and that the seed can be a success in your heart. And as I was praying about this, I kept thinking about, um, I kept thinking about Mark chapter four, and we're not gonna read all of it, but if you would turn to it, I just wanna tell you a few passages that really stand out to me. If you haven't heard Jeremy's teaching on Mark chapter four, it's called the good ground. Go get it. We will give it to you, okay? You can get it online easily, but we can also get you some and, and you know, tell them at the back counter back there when you leave the room and we will get you one. We wanna be a blessing to you, but this is such a powerful teaching on the sower sows the word. But I just wanna tell you a few things that really stand out to me about back Mark chapter four. You know, um, Jesus is telling this parable. The sower is probably one of our favorites, but it all, it's all about the kind of seed that has the ability to take root and to produce in our lives. It talks about four different situations, three of which had, didn't, that seed did not have any success, but there was only one that had success. And if you look at it, it's the exact picture of things that go on in our lives today with the word. The word being able to be sown into our life and cause us to be a good success. And there were four things here, um, four different situations. And if you look in verse 13, Mark 4, 13, actually verse 14, it says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word was sown. 
When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves, and so they only endure for a little time. Afterward, when the tribulation of persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Here's the one that worked. Those who hear the word, accept and receive the word, they bear fruit some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, understanding that the Word of God has this much power in our life that we can hear the Word and it can produce something takes faith, okay? It's a spiritual concept. It's not natural. It's not something we can figure out out here with our head and the reasoning. No, it's something that's deeper on the inside. But I think it's interesting that these first three situations, the reasons why the seed could not be a success, the number one reason was bad reception. Okay, they, would, they just wouldn't receive it. Now, you don't know all the reasons for this, but I, I often think that people just simply refuse to receive because they um, refuse to humble themselves and hear it a different way. There may be too much pride involved, maybe an unwillingness to see it another way or just to hear it and receive it and take it or believe it. Maybe they've thought and believed a certain way their whole life and this just seems too good or this just seems like just, I can't even fathom it with my natural mind. Well, it takes, a, it takes, just, it takes a willingness to say, Lord, I may not get it with my head, but I wanna get it with my heart. Number two, reason it didn't work was bad soil. They received it, but then they became hard and offended. And that offense will keep any seed from becoming a harvest. That's the dangerous thing about offense. It's not just that it steals and it um, does all these negative things to your life. It also keeps you from bearing good fruit. That's the problem with offense. And so it was bad soil. They received it, but they came, became hard and offended. Now, what is, what is soil when you're talking about seed and harvest and all these things? What is the soil? The soil, let me tell you what soil is. It's a mixture of materials that work together to support life. And you had to think about the soil of your heart. There's always a mixture of things going on in your heart. That's why the Bible tells us to above all else, guard our hearts for out of it flow the issues of life. So you can say this with me. You can say, say this with me. I'm, I'm good ground. My heart has pure soil. And that's in that soil, God's good things, God's seed is able to grow. You have to think about this like, man, oh, okay. So you've got, you know, the love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart. You've got the joy of the Lord that God's given you is your strength. You've got the peace of God that passes understanding. All in the soil of your heart is down deep. It's just, you know, it's a mixture of things. It's a mixture of items in that heart that is designed to produce life. And that's supposed to help support the life, support the, the growth of that seed so that it comes out in a big harvest. But here's the deal. I wanna be a person that I've only got love and faith and peace and joy mixing together 
to produce in my heart. Um, I'm gonna say this over myself, and if you wanna take it and say it, you can say it too. But I've only got love working in my heart. God's love for me and my love for God. My roots go down deep in the love of God. And I'm mixing that love with peace and joy and hope. I have great expectation for what God's gonna do in my life. I refuse to take on the cares of this world. Okay, let me tell you this. The third thing that kept that seed from producing was the cares of the world here, it says, and the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things. And what did it do? It choked the word. What is that? That is bad influence, bad influences. So we've got bad reception, bad soil, and bad influences all cause this seed not to be a success. Too much influence from the world, too many cares of the world coming in, choking the word. But this is what I'm gonna say about my life. I refuse to take the cares of the world. I won't let worry and unbelief, fear or strife or offense mix in the soil of my heart. I'm not gonna let it because I trust my God. Instead, I'm gonna mix all the good things with faith and see everything going on in my heart is good and it will produce good fruit. Amen. So everybody say this with me. I am good ground. I have a tender heart full of good soil. Therefore, the word is working in me. Amen, amen. Your, your seed will set you up for success. The seed that you are sowing and the seed that you allow to be sown in your heart, amen. Okay, the second one that uh, will set you up for success is your submission. Ooh, it's gonna get real quiet in here. Everybody's gonna be a little nervous on the edge of their seats. Don't worry, it's gonna be fine. You know, the reason I think I can talk to you, all you guys about this is because you're very spiritual people, okay? And the truth is that, um, you know, it's pretty cool. When Jeremy and I, when we first started the church and some of you were here the very first week, we came in here and the presence of God was so thick. And it was just like the glory of the Lord had already filled the house of God. And what an awesome thing. Sometimes it takes a lot of time to get a group of people on the same page. But you people are all super spiritual and you, and you all love God and you have a tender heart toward God. I have noticed through the testimonies and all the people I've gotten to meet so far, how we have a church full of tender hearted people, people who really love God and people who love each other. So to hear the meat of the word is not a hard task for us, amen? <laughs> so your submission will set you up for success. As I studied this, I looked at James chapter four, and if you wanna look at it, you can. Verse six, it says, but he gives more grace. You know what? I'm just gonna read it to you a little earlier. Let's go and read just a few verses before this. Um, this is James chapter four, verse Six. Oh, that's where I started a while ago. Okay, there we go. Um, verse six, he gives more grace. Therefore he says, but God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God. Now this is, everybody say this with me. Submit is a Bible word. Okay. Okay, we're all good. Man, why do I have to talk about all the hard stuff? Huh? 
He's like up here talking about everything y'all want to hear. And I'm going to tell you all the, you know, the stuff that the mama has to say. Okay. So submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Isn't that interesting that there's an order to things? Submit to God first, then you're able to resist the devil and he will flee from you. It says this, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Um, I think that the, the thing that stands out to me so much is how submission is not a bad word. It's not a scary word. It's a Bible word. And it's God's, part of God's way to, into success. And I've seen this over my life. I've seen how my submission to the people God has put over me and my submission to God's plan for my life has opened up a world of possibilities, okay? Um, you know, I was little, I'm not little, I'm a teenager, and I used to go to my grandma's house and I would tell her, Mimi, she tells me this still, she always tells me the story, Mimi, I, someday I'm gonna travel the world and I'm gonna preach Jesus, and I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna minister in song, I'm gonna write songs, I'm gonna record albums, I'm gonna go all the way in the world blessing people and ministering to everyone I can. I was probably in junior high or high school. And she told me the other day, when she tells me about this story, she said, Sarah, I thought you were shooting for the stars. <laughs> well, that was my vision, and I saw it. This is kind of like that muse and that, you know, I'm imagining, I'm dreaming with God, I'm spending time in his word, I'm getting to know God, I'm just like having these desires for the future. But there was some things that needed to go on to build my character in the space between where I was then and where I am today. And a lot of these items that I'm talking to you about today are the things that I found contributed the most to my success. There's many more in the Bible that you can look at, but this one specifically, submission, will give you good success. And so I begin to find out that, you know, I might have a plan. I want to go, when I graduate high school, I want to go, you know, lead worship at a church somewhere, move to some cool church and lead worship and, and do all, you know, all these things that are in my heart. But finally, there had to come a point where I'm like, Father, I'm going to submit to your plan for my life. I'm going to submit and go your way. And when I did that, I saw more success. When I tried to, when I was stubborn and tried to hold on to my own way, I didn't see him work as much in my life because this is the first part in having good success, just yielding over to his plan, humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. And so as time went on, I realized that my submission would set me up for success. You know, submit is just to, it's a military term. Okay, and it's about rank and it's about file, uh, being in, in line with the way God tells you to do things. And in the Bible, there's really clear, even in the New Testament, clear instructions on how we are to submit to God and submit to those that he's put over us. Um, it's submit, submission is to arrange under, to sub subject yourself and to yield to another person's advice or um, it's also to obey. You know, pride is often stubborn. It demands its own way. It refuses to see another way, a higher way. But humility is honest and humility is tender. And humility is willing to yield. It's peaceful. Pride is just self-seeking. I want it my way. And if I don't get it my way, I'm not gonna do it your way. But humility says, you know what? I'm open to a better way. I'm open to seeing it your way. Um, and humility is totally a hard issue. Submission is totally a hard issue. And of course, when I got married, 
and I became a wife to an amazing husband, I had to learn what the Bible taught about submitting to your husband. And that was exciting. No. <laughs> but I will read you that now too. Ephesians chapter, every, every woman in here was hoping that I wouldn't go to this scripture. Um, not really. You're all very submissive and loving. But I had to learn what this was. Now I'm going to tell you something really interesting. Well, first I'll just read this to you. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, see this is order, isn't it? Jesus is our head. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Um, if you skip down to verse 33, it says, Nevertheless, let each one of you particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband. <laughs> this is always a tricky one. <laughs> um, but when, when I began to believe God for a house, I asked the Lord, I went before the Lord, and I said, Lord, give me my house scriptures, you know. So I'm expecting him to tell me all the great ones about you know, why a woman builds her house, and um, she needs knowledge to fill it up with treasures, and I'm like ready for all those. And I'm listening, and I'm, and I'm seeking God, and I'm ready to hear what's my house scripture. And the Lord spoke to me. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wow, that's my house scripture? Well, what is that? It's because <laughs> a wise woman builds her house, not just her physical house. She builds her house at home. She builds up her household. She builds up her husband. She builds up her children. Before she ever needs a natural house, she needs to learn how to bless her household. She needs to learn how to bless her family. She needs to learn how to submit to her husband. What does that word submit? It just means to defer to, to yield to, to say, you know what? I don't have to be in charge. I can trust God that he can deal with my husband on anything that he needs. I don't have to do it all. Glory to God. It's awesome. And so as I begin to you know, get into this, I realized, wow, this is my house scripture to reverence, to love, to respect, to venerate, to defer to my husband, to adore him. And the, all these things that I think I desire and I need and I want, they don't come first. What comes first is me having the right heart in obeying God in submitting to my husband. Getting my heart right. Now, you know what this takes? It takes faith. Because wives, as you know it, women, your husband will not do everything right. Am I right? Everybody said amen. Yes, it's true. Not so be it, but you know what I mean. Um, your, your husbands will not do everything right, and that's okay. You know what? If you want grace and mercy in your life, why don't you sow a little grace and mercy? Why don't you sow a little faith in them? If they miss it, 
If they don't do something wrong, chill. Let's be chill. Let's sow a little love, sow a little kindness, sow a little grace. That's God's way. We, we need to be meek and calm and chill. And we will win them to ourselves. So, okay, I just want to read you another scripture in line with this. We're, we're moving right along. Everybody doing good? Okay. Um, I want to read it to you out of 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, this is verse 1. And if you, I'm telling you, this is going to be so good. Just give me a second. I promise you we're going to get there and it's going to be so, so good. You're going to be like, yes, I get it. I get it. I get where you're going with all this stuff. Okay. First Peter, and this is um, chapter three. It says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they will without a word be won over by the, your conduct. You can win them with the way you love them. You can win them with your submission and your kindness and your meekness. I want to tell you what that word meekness is. It's humility, but it's gentleness. It's not showy and it's not intrusive. It's not show and tell. I'm going to show you what I think. I'm going to tell you everything that I think. You know what it is? If you keep reading down, it says this. Do not let your adornment merely be outward, arranging your hair, wearing of gold, or putting on a fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. What's going on on the inside? The incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. What is that gentleness and quietness? It's being unmoved, free from turmoil or agitation, and untroubled. You are chill. Everybody say, every woman in here say this with me. I am chill. And all your husbands said, amen, amen, amen. Oh, they're singing. See, they're singing. They believe. I'm going to read it to you out of the New, Transla uh, New Living Translation. It says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty, all these things. These are not the most important things. The heart is what he's talking about. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and they accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed their, her husband, Abraham, called him her master. You are his daughters if you do what's right without fear of what your husbands may do. What is that saying? It's saying that submission is beautiful to God. It's a beautiful thing. Submission, that kind of heart, that kind of attitude, that kind of tenderness, that kind of calmness, that kind of chillness, that kind of unmoved, unwavering pers per, um, part of who you are, that is pleasing to God. It blesses God. And God finds it very beautiful. If you want to add, you know, people, we're always looking for the latest, greatest beauty fad, the anti-aging secret. Isn't that a funny term? Anti-aging. I mean, we're all, anyway, um, we're all looking for that, right? Well, this right here, submission and that tenderness and that yielding, that will make you the most beautiful. And so um, I love that. 
But I want to tell you something. When I walked off stage a couple weeks ago, the Lord spoke something to me, and I thought I'd share it with you this morning and wait for the right time, but I guess this is the right time because he just reminded me. But I saw this, you know, the Bible talks about where two or more gather together in his name. There he is in the midst of us. It talks about the power of agreement, how much power there is in agreement between two people. And you know what? God has given us that when you get when God gives you a spouse, there you go with the second part of your agreement. There you go with a person who can come alongside of you and create more dynamite power in your life. You come together and your prayers are working. You better believe you're going to see some miracles in your life. Well, these these two, this two being in agreement. This is how God set it up. But you know, there's just as much power in disagreement. Just as much power in two people never agreeing with each other, never getting on the right page. And I saw this and this example that there were, it was like there, was, there were marriages in the room that the husband was, they were both in, this husband and wife were in this rowboat, okay? This little boat out on the water. And the husband is paddling and he is going for it. And he is going for God. And he is endeavoring to obey God and he is rowing as much as he can with all his heart and his mind and his soul and his strength. And he's going for God and he's trying to obey God and he's trying to follow God and he's trying to be the lead and the head and lead his family and do what God told him to do and yield to the anointing on his life to be the head of the house. And then it was like in my vision, I saw the wife was in the other end of the boat, this side, rowing the opposite direction. And he's over here trying to row and he's trying to go and she's just pushing and she's going as hard as she can in the opposite direction, refuses to agree with him, refuses to go and yield to God, refuses to do what he's asking her to do. And it's just, there's no movement. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? You can't. It's impossible. It's it's in a marriage or it's in any situation in life. How can you walk together unless you be agreed? So I want to encourage you this morning. You know, this can be anything from men submitting to God. I mean, how much easier is it for your wife to submit to you when you're following God? But husbands, when you go and you submit your life to God every day and you say, Lord, help me follow you. Help me do what you call me to do. Help me lead this family. Help me be the head of this household. And then that wife, you know, is able to come up under you and submit. Now, wives, it says here, if they won't do that, you can still win them over by your heart and your attitude. But you got to get on board with each other. You got to start rowing in the same direction. And then you're going to see power in your life. Then you're going to see prosperity. And then you're going to be a good success. This is a main key. Your submission will set you up for success. And there's one more. We're almost done. How are we doing on time here? Am I doing okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A few more minutes. Okay. Um, you're the last one will set you up for success. Your service unto God will set you up for success. It says in Psalm 35, 27, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. 
who has pleasure, he takes pleasure in the success of his servant. Glory to God. And I have seen God do that in my life. I've seen him do it in everyone's life that has committed fully their lives to the service, to his service. And as I thought about this, you know, there's so many passages of scripture I could go to about serving. And I wanted to just say, Lord, I said to the Lord, which one, Lord, what's the most important thing? How would you show this? And I thought it was so awesome. He took me to the passage of scripture when he washed the disciples' feet. And I want to read that to you. This is in John chapter 13. And Jesus lines up all the disciples and he begins to minister to them. They're probably wondering, what is he doing? You know, he gets out these towels, makes them take off their shoes and goes to each one of them, washing their, shoes, washing their feet. And then he gets to Simon Peter in verse six. And Peter says to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? <laughs> really? You're gonna wash my feet? Like you gotta imagine how dirty their feet were. This was actually a very beautiful act of service, a very selfless moment. And he said, are you really washing my feet? And Jesus answered and he said, what I'm doing, you don't understand now but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. <laughs> Can you imagine telling Jesus that? They must've been like way too good of friends. He said, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And I thought, you know, I've heard this scripture so many times. I've read this, I've studied it. And I thought, you know, definitely, if you don't receive the cleansing and the washing of the word of God and what Jesus has done for you, if you don't receive that revelation, you will never, ever be able to have fellowship with God. You won't have that part. You know what that part is? It's a, it's a portion. It's a share, a sharing you won't ever have that with me. And I've always understood that. But as I saw in this picture and as I read further in this passage, I realized that Jesus was also talking about this. If you don't ever find out what this washing is and what I've done for you to the point where you see this sacrificial service, the kind of service that is the fuel behind what I do, Jesus is saying, this is my heart to serve. I did not come to be ministered to, but to minister. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. This is what he would say. He was always looking to bless. These disciples were never going to know his heart until they saw him do something so selfless as to get on his knees in front of them and wash their dirty feet. He was saying, if you don't see this, if you don't receive this, if you don't understand my heart to serve people, if you don't see that, then you don't take part in it. You don't get to take part in these things in the kingdom. You don't get to enjoy the fullness of what, it, what I am doing, this selfless act of service. This is what real service is. And to be cleansed by Jesus so fully, to receive that, 
that you realize how selfless service, what it actually is. You can never participate in the work of God until you understand that. You can never be selfless and serve God until you have experienced that kind of love and that kind of service. What he was saying is, you can't take part in this with me until you get this spirit of serving. Until you get the same spirit in you as that I have in me. Because I didn't come to minister or to be ministered to. I came to minister. Glory to God. And you see this, Jesus consistently through his whole life, laying down his life to serve people. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah that he was rejected of men. You know, in ministry, you're going to be rejected a lot. Get used to it. You are in, you are taking part with Jesus. You are in that. You are, that's just part of it. But he says he was rejected of men. People didn't value him. They didn't. They despised him. They didn't value him. But yet he still, everywhere he went, what did he do? He wanted to bless. And he wanted to minister. And he wanted to heal. And he wanted to deliver. He was so selfless. He forgot about himself. He forgot about what he wanted. He came from heaven, laid down his life. And I do want to read this last scripture to you. Out of Philippians chapter two, it says in verse five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. What is that? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks of me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, Anybody thinks, took, he took the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men, being found as appearance of men, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, there's submission. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue uh, and on, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Look at what happened when he became a bond servant, when he humbled himself, when he came to serve, not to be seen, not to be known. He came to glorify his God. He came to serve God and to serve people. And that service set him up for success. God highly exalted him. Talk about the greatest success of all time. God highly exalted him, gave him the name, which is above every name. The name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess. You know, he, it, this, this humility, this submission, you know, Jesus is all these things wrapped up in one. His, he was the seed. I mean, he sowed his life out for us. You know, he gave his life. He was the one who submitted to God, submitted to our heavenly father, made himself a servant, gave his life. And then he was the one who served us selflessly with his life on the cross. And all these things set him up for the ultimate success. 
He was highly exalted and given the name above every name. And now when we confess the name of Jesus, it's so high, it's so full of success. It is just the ultimate name that everything else has to bow its knee. What a, what a great example, the greatest example of all times of how to become a good success. Your seed will set you up for success. Your submission will set you up for success. And your service will set you up for success. Father, we love you this morning. Why don't you close your eyes and just stand up with me? Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for being such an awesome example. You are just amazing. We thank you for your word that it has so much life and power in that seed, the seed of the word. Lord, we want to be good ground this morning. Go ahead. We want to be good ground. We want to we want to be a tender soil. We want to have that only working in our heart so that we can become and do all that you call us to do. We submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to the people you put over us. We ask you to show us what opportunity we have around us to sow into your kingdom to sow the seeds that would set us up for the success and the harvest that you see in our future. Show us where to sow, where to be a blessing, Lord. And show us, Lord, what our place is to serve you in the kingdom of God. Lord, even though some of, some of us in this room may not be called to fivefold ministry, but we all have a place in your kingdom. We all have the opportunity to serve you and to lay down our life for you. And we do, Lord, we ask you to show us where that's at. If it's here at Legacy Church, we ask you to show us and help us, Lord, humble ourselves and make our, ourselves obedient to your service. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank, Thank you, Lord. you, Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you and remember... You are always welcome here in the House of Faith.